Today we step into the first essential Christian practice as we continue this theme called the walk. So we're on this journey right now of saying, let's deepen our friendship with God. Let's grow up spiritually a little bit and walk with God in dynamic ways. Well, that's one thing to say. It's another thing to actually do. We want to challenge ourselves to implement this, to actually walk with God. And so I want to present five essential practices or five things I believe we must do if we're going to grow up and dynamically walk with God. Now, there are a lot more than five things to do in order to walk with God, but we've narrowed it to these five, and we're going to give our time and attention to them. We begin with the essential practice of worship and prayer. That's the first one. Worship and prayer. You've chosen a great Sunday to be here because this is a glorious topic. Worship and prayer. We could spend week after week after week thinking about worshiping God and praying to Him, responding to the greatness of God and offering up daily prayers to Him. We could spend a lot of time on this and it would be time well spent. It really would be. We're going to take just one day though during this theme, to consider worship and prayer and how this is so important for us. So please pay attention, take great notes, because I think this will be very helpful for all of us. Here's how we're going to walk through this today. I want to share in just a moment a big idea with you that will frame the conversation And then as we conclude, I want to come back to that big idea and just remind ourselves, here's what we're trying to think about today as we consider the essential practice of worship and prayer. So a big idea. And then we need to do this. We have to define the word worship. What does it actually mean? That's a very religious word, but yet it's not limited to the religious context. What does it mean, though? And I think different people have different ideas when we say, hey, let's worship, or it's time for a night of worship, or let's stand together and worship. What does that actually mean? Well, I want to give you living language today with some applications and some phrases. You'll be able to walk out of here today saying, here's what worship is, here's what it means, and here's how I can engage and make this an essential practice in my life. So that's a goal for today. We want everybody to be able to define this so that we understand here's worship, okay? After that, we're going to dive into Acts chapter 2. I love Acts chapter 2. It's just an amazing paragraph because what we find is the early church This faith community is forming. It's coming together. And there were certain behaviors that defined them. So they did a few things. We are an extension of that beginning church. So I think it's really important once in a while to go back and review what did they say, what did they do, how did they behave, and extrapolate that all out into our time and into our culture, and we're going to do that by looking at a key phrase 
in Acts chapter 2, that defines what they did. And I think it describes what we should be doing as well. That's Acts chapter 2. And then we will wrap everything up with some helpful takeaways that I believe will also be a challenge to us. I hope everybody walks out of here a little challenge today to think about where you are right now when it comes to worship and where God potentially wants you to be. So no matter how good you think you are at worshiping, there's always room for improvement as we think about the glorious topic and subject of worship and prayer. There's room for all of us to grow. This is our path. Big idea, we're going to define worship and give it living language. We'll spend some time in Acts chapter 2, and then we will get to our takeaways. I want to begin with a big idea. Are you ready? Shake your head a little bit so I know you're still with me. Okay, here we go. Big idea, walking with God through weekly worship and daily worship is necessary. Walking with God. This is our theme. We're trying to figure out how do we do that and how can we grow our walk and deepen that. Well, this is something that is essential for us. I'm referring to it today as weekly worship and then daily worship. So these are two applications. As you think about worship and what does it mean and how do we describe it? Well, there's two applications. There's weekly worship. Worship. That's what we're doing right now. We have gathered today, and we do this every seven days, to remind ourselves to look up to God and place our eyes on Jesus and make a big deal out of Him. That's weekly worship, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm so glad for everyone who's watching online as well. You get a high grade today by being here for weekly worship as we talk about weekly worship. That's one of the applications. The other one is daily worship. And there's a lot of different ways we could describe that. For the sake of our conversation today, I'm going to refer to daily worship as our daily prayers. Our opportunity to step into the presence of God and talk to Him and do that every day. That's daily worship. So two applications. Weekly worship, that's what we're doing right now, and then daily worship, the opportunity we all have to step into the very presence of our Father and talk to Him. Okay, worship, what is it actually, and how can we, how should we define it? Again, this is a very religious word. We use it all the time here. Hey, let's gather for worship. Let's do that. Or it's time to stand and worship. Or let's do this. Let's have a whole night of worship. How about that? We use this word all of the time. But what does it actually mean? And it's fascinating to me that this word isn't limited to the religious culture. We use it often in other contexts as well. Like this. Have you ever heard this phrase? Boy, he... He just worships his car. He worships his car. Or those people, or that city, wow, they worship the eagles. 
They do. Or have you ever heard someone say this? Boy, I just worship the ground that they walk on. When we use this outside of the religious context, it always indicates worth. Someone is saying, that car, if I worship it, it's worth it. It has a lot of value to me. It's worth it. Or the eagles, during most seasons, I would say, are worth it, right? And so we give value to that, and it drives our time, doesn't it? Or if someone states, boy, I just worship the ground that they walk on, they are saying that person is worth it. What's fascinating to me is when you look at the old English word of worship, they actually wrote it this way. Worthship. And obviously there's a word that jumps off the page. Hopefully you see it. It is the word worth. We could say that describing worship is about saying something or someone is worth it. And because they are worth it, we're going to give high value to them. That is certainly one way you could describe worship. And this old English word, worship, was a way that humans could ascribe homage to God because he's worth it and he is really valuable. So if you wanted one word to describe worship, you could say it's the word worth. Giving value to someone. Now, let's dive a little deeper into this because there's a lot of scholarship surrounding defining the word worship. Dallas Willard, an author and scholar, defined it this way. To worship is to see God as worthy, to ascribe great worth to him. And you can see in Dallas Willard's definition here, There is the word worthy, and there is the word worth. Again, if we're talking about worshiping someone, worth is involved. And Dallas describes that effectively for us. I talked to Tyler, our worship director here, and said, hey, do you have a definition of worship that you really enjoy and that you lean into as you think about worship and you describe it? And he shared this definition with me, from scholar A.W. Tozer. Worship is to feel in your heart and express. So I want you to hang on to those words for a moment. To feel and to express. Because there is something about worship that engages us physically. So worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of that most ancient mystery, that majesty, which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father, which art in heaven. Again, expressing and feeling. This has the idea of worship and responding with everything inside of us. Author Adam Hamilton, he defines worship this way. It's an offering we bring, given not to persuade God to bless us, but as an expression of our love for and gratitude to God. It's really a unique way to say thank you. 
Now, those are some of the definitions that exist. We could go on and on and on, giving you all kinds of definitions from different scholars and different writers. I like to define worship this way. It's kind of taking all of those words, and we probably won't remember those definitions. So here's a memorable phrase when it comes to describing and defining worship. Here we go. It's responding to the greatness of God. It's telling God that he is worth it. And I want to give big value to you, God. So with who I am, with my words, with my thoughts, with my prayers, with my physical body, I will respond to the greatness of God and tell him and in the process inform other people as well. He's worth it. God is worth it. So I think a really working, a good working definition that you can walk out of here and say, you know what, here's worship, here's what it means. It's responding to the greatness of God. Now, I think we can respond to the greatness of God and tell him that he's worth it with two unique phrases. And maybe they're not so unique because we use them all of the time or hopefully we use them regularly with the important people in our lives. Here are the two phrases. Thank you and I love you. Responding to the greatness of God. It's our opportunity to come before God and say, thank you. You've been so good to me. And you've been faithful. We lifted that up today, right? That's a way of saying thank you to God. And I love you. Humans share these expressions all of the time. And we need to hear them once in a while. By the way, if you haven't heard them for a bit, I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being part of this faith community. And as your pastor, I love you. I do it. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you and I love you. Let's regularly give them to each other. That's important. But think about this. I believe we should be giving them to God as well. God, thank you. Thank you. And I love you. And this is our opportunity to respond to his greatness. So there's two applications when it comes to worship. Weekly worship and daily worship. And then there are two phrases. Thank you and I love you. And keep in mind this word worth when it comes to worship. It's worship. Responding to the greatness of God. Weekly and daily telling God thank you and I love you. Allow all of that to roll around in your mind today and throughout the week, okay? Now, here's the deal. In talking about worship, I know some of you have already faded, <laughs> right? Like, oh, we do that. I kind of know what that means. I get it. And maybe that's not an interesting topic to me. Or when you think about daily worship, offering prayers to God, boy, that's a bit overwhelming. And is that really necessary? And some of you maybe have faded a bit. And I want to call you back to attention because this is an essential Christian practice. And we all have room to grow. Nobody does these things perfectly. And if you think you do, you don't. 
You just don't. It's not possible. So we all have room to grow. So we need to lean into this. So let me talk to a few groups for a moment and encourage you. If you're a student in the room, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, or just beginning your career, I want to encourage you this way. Preparing for a lifestyle of worship, which includes weekly worship and daily worship. If you get this right now, you will have a foundation for experiencing everything in life the way God wants you to experience it. Right? So some of us adults don't always get this, and we've missed out on just having this as a regular part of our life and something that we do. If you make that choice now, God is going to be able to help you because you're weekly responding to him and daily doing this. God's going to help you navigate everything that happens in life, the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything in between. So if you're young, just choose now to make this a lifestyle for you. Weekly worship and daily worship, and God's going to help you navigate everything. Doesn't mean everything will be perfect, but God's there, and you'll know where to turn because you've been doing it for a long time. It's a habit for you. It's a lifestyle, and that's great. For parents and for those in the middle years of life and you're achieving and conquering and doing and succeeding and all of that stuff, that's great. It's vitally important that worship becomes a lifestyle for you so that you have a base for making decisions about how to succeed and what that means for you and your family and those that you love the most, and what to say yes to and what to say no to in life. So this is really important. Weekly worship and daily worship. we got to have this as a base. And so let's pay attention and listen to how we can improve in this area. For those of you in your senior years, wow, a lifestyle of worship. Here's the beauty of what you get to think about at this stage of your life. It's about leaving a legacy for the most important people in your world. And for them to see in you someone who says, thank you to God, and I love you, and weekly I'm doing this and refueling myself, and daily I'm stepping into the presence of God with my prayers. That kind of legacy is something that has unbelievable value. And you get to offer this to the people around you that you love the most. So this is important and it is for all of us. So I want to encourage you to take these two phrases, thank you and I love you, with the two applications, weekly worship and daily worship. And let's see what God can do in our hearts. With that in mind, I want you to take your Bible or your device and find Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts is a New Testament book. It comes right after the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts follows John. It's written by a guy named Luke who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So this is somewhat of a sequel to Luke's Gospel. So if you want to know about the life and the story of Jesus, you could start in Luke. It's a great book to read. And then you could turn immediately to Acts. What you'll find in chapter 1 is that Jesus leaves. His mission on earth is done. 
I came, I lived, I died, I rose again, I paid the price for sins. It's time for me to return to heaven. And that's what he does in Acts chapter 1. And then the whole church thing begins to form. And that's what we find in Acts chapter 2. The church is beginning to behave in certain ways. Here's what we read in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And get this, in verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. Like, God is with us. Wow. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They, say this with me, worshipped together. They, one more time, worshipped together. So there's a lot happening here. They're listening to the apostles' teaching. They're breaking bread together. They're praying together. They're being very generous, helping those in need. And then this little section here closes by saying, oh, they worshiped together. That's what verse 46 states. They, this group, this faith community, they worshiped together. That word worship there has the idea that they kept on with their devotion. And I think they were basically coming before God as a group and saying, God, we're devoted to saying you're worth it and responding to you and to your greatness. They kept on or kept up with their devotion and they did that. The next word is together, which means they did this with one mind. So think about this now, Acts chapter two, with one mind, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They are praying together. They're being very generous with what they have, helping those who had great needs. And with one mind, they kept on with their devotion together. A couple of thinking points that fall right out of Acts chapter 2 that I want to draw your attention to. The first one is obvious. They did all this together. So worship wasn't isolated, not that it can't be, but in this context, they were in community together. And here's the second thinking point, and that is worship was not something to be observed in others. When you read in Acts chapter 2 and the rest of this book, worship was very participatory. They didn't come and watch other people do it. No, they themselves were engaged physically and mentally in responding to the greatness of God. It moved them. It impacted them. And you get the sense that they did this in a regular way, even daily, even daily. I think worshiping and gathering together is essential. It really is. And that certainly has been tested this year, and God has been good to us. And so we come into his presence and say, thank you, and we love you for keeping us together because worshiping and gathering, it's very important to us. I think the question becomes, how much of this do I actually need? As we think about weekly worship, how much of this do I actually need? 
And I have people come and talk to me about that all of the time or trying to figure out Christianity and what does this mean and how do I do this? How do I walk with God? And how much weekly worship do I need? And I respond and say, well, weekly means weekly, every seven days. I think this is incredibly valuable for us. And here's why. And maybe you've never considered this. Why do we get together every Sunday and respond to the greatness of God? Why? Well, here's why. It keeps our hearts soft. It's almost as if we step into the presence of God and say, okay, till the soil of my soul again. It's been a hard week. I've been knocked down and hurt and offended and Here's all the issues and all of the problems. And so here we ask God to just till the soil of our soul again so we don't get hardened to what he wants for us. Coming together every seven days, it softens our hearts, it encourages us, and we have the sense of togetherness. So when we worship together, think about this now. When we have this opportunity in song, in prayer, when we open up the word of God and ask God to use it to fill us, we then leave renewed and inspired. Okay? So this is why we do it. When we have the opportunity to worship and song and prayer and have the word of God speak to us, we leave renewed and inspired, ready to serve God and serve other people. So why do this every seven days? It softens our hearts as we come before God to say, you are worth it. You are worth it. And I'll do this because it renews me and feeds me and inspires me. And I can now go out and serve God and serve other people for another seven days. And then I'll come back and do it all again. Let me throw out this challenge when it comes to weekly worship. Get an A, okay? <laughs> When it comes to worship, get an A. Now, I have kids in school, and this is how I generally encourage them to start. Man, you should go for an A. Like, that's a really good thing. Now, there have been seasons where we've had to say, okay, if we could move that from a C plus to a B minus, that would be a really big win. But we always start with getting and shooting for an A, right? That makes sense. I think you probably do the same thing. I can remember being in middle school, and my parents sitting down with me saying, you know, if we could move the C to a C plus, you would be above average, Eric. Don't you want to be above average? I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm not sure. And we work through that. And there are seasons where, okay, let's go for a C plus, And that's a big win for everybody. When it comes to worship, though, let's start with the mentality of going for an A or 90%. And what would it look like if at Valley Point Church, everybody's just getting an A, 90% of the time? I would encourage you to take that challenge upon yourself. And wherever you are today, think about moving a little bit towards an A. And let's just watch what God does in our hearts with weekly worship, okay? To renew us and inspire us and send us back out again to love God and to love other people. Let's go for an A. What about daily worship? Again, I want us to think about daily worship in terms of 
prayer, and certainly there are other aspects to daily worship like studying the Bible, and we're going to have a whole week to talk about that essential practice. For today, I want us to think about daily worship as our daily prayers. And when we think about worship, responding to the greatness of God, telling Him that He's worth it, two phrases, I think, work with prayer quite effectively. God, thank you. Thank you. And I love you. And here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father invites us into his presence. God, creator, inventor, the one overall and above all. He invites me. He invites you. He invites us into his presence. And I think a great template to use is to rush in in our imperfect and unscripted ways and say, here I am, God. I want to thank you and I love you. I think it really can be that simple. Because prayer is not magical incantations. We don't have to have it all perfectly mapped out when we approach God. Keep in mind that Jesus himself referred to prayer in Matthew's gospel like little children approaching their parents and asking for things. Kids can have some crazy requests sometimes, can't they? And I think God's okay with that. I had a child come to me recently with a request. My phone, my phone, I need a new phone. My friends, my friends all have new phones. And my friend, I need a new phone because my friends have a phone and my phone is shattered. My friends, my phone. And I'm like, okay, let's just settle down here a little bit. What's going on with the phone? And we had this whole conversation. And I thought it was a crazy request because phones are really expensive anymore. But my phone, my phone, I have to have a phone because my friends and their phones. And I'm like, okay. We talked our way through it and they now have a new phone because I would like to think I'm a good father once in a while. I get it right and I listen and say, All right, let's meet this need and let's do it this way. I think prayer is kind of like that. It's us like a child. And keep in mind, kids don't come in with all of their thoughts put together, right? Like, Father, here's what I need. And they don't have spreadsheets with all the stuff mapped out. Okay, well, let's do that. It doesn't happen that way. They come in with unscripted words and often there's angst and tension and maybe even anger. And as parents, we try to take all of that in and listen and then respond. Same with God. It's the same. Let's keep it simple. God, thank you and I love you. We don't need to wait until it's fine-tuned. We don't have to wait to understand all the psychological aspects of this. I don't even think we have to wait to have an understanding of the beautiful tradition of prayer. Let's just step into the presence of God and say, thank you, and I love you, and now here's what I need, and here's what would be good for me, but starting with thank you, and I love you. Richard Foster, a scholar, states it this way in regards to prayer. We all come to prayer with a tangled mass of motives, altruistic and selfish, merciful and hateful, loving and bitter. Frankly, this side of eternity, 
We will never unravel the good from the bad, the pure from the impure. But what I have come to see is that God is big enough to receive us with all our mixture. (laughs) Isn't that great? God's big enough for you. And the mixture and the baggage and the stuff that you bring into his presence, God can handle all of that. So let's, in a daily way, in a daily way, use the template of thank you and I love you. And here's the mixture of my stuff, God. Help me figure some of this out so I can move through today effectively and walk with you. Okay. Let me wrap this up by saying, in our vision map here at Valley Point Church, we talk about how we can know we're winning and succeeding when we walk with God. In this friendship with him, we know we're winning. And here's one of the markers. When worship is a lifestyle. When worship is a lifestyle. And when we see that happening within us, wow, we're winning and succeeding. But what does that mean? And what are some of the milestones along the way that I should be looking for as I create in myself this lifestyle of worship? Well, I think one of them is let's hang on to this definition. Responding to the greatness of God, telling him that he's worth it. Two applications, weekly worship, necessary, should be happening, let's go for an A. Daily worship, Let's improve that as well and just step into the presence of God with our mixture and our mess and say, thank you and I love you. Let's do that. And when we see those things happening, we're winning. We're succeeding. And worship is becoming a lifestyle. Let me share some more measurements with you and these will be our takeaways for today. Number one, give yourself a grade on weekly worship. Just think about it. If you were grading yourself as you think about all of the Sundays in any given year, whether you're worshiping online with us or worshiping now in person, inside, outside, doesn't matter. What's your weekly grade for worship? And where would you like to see that by the end of the year? If it's not where you want it to be, well, then begin making some choices and putting in some changes that will help you from now until the end of the year, which will be here before we know it. Let's move a little bit and honor God with our weekly worship and improve our grade. So give yourself a grade on weekly worship and then do this. Takeaway number two, give yourself a grade on daily worship, on prayer. What does that look like for you? And how is that impacting your walk with God? Is it happening or not? And where do you want to see your daily worship These prayers with God. Where do you want to see that between now and the end of the year? And just begin mapping that out. Here's what I need to do. And I'll give you a practical way to pursue that in just a moment. So give yourself a grade, okay, on daily worship and on weekly worship. By the way, think about this. We generally grade ourselves in almost every area of life. We're evaluated quite a bit. If you're a student... You're graded all the time. Here's what you handed in to me. Here is the mark. Here is the grade. If you have a job, you're evaluated periodically throughout the year or at least once a year. Here it is. Here's the mark. Here's the grade. We rarely evaluate ourselves spiritually. Just kind of, you know, let that go. 
I'm showing up every once in a while, but what does that actually look like? And what does that mean? And yeah, I pray, but how much? And where do I want to see that go? How do I want to see that improve in my life? So we get graded everywhere else. Let's think about evaluating ourselves spiritually because this really is the most important thing in life because it's my friendship with God. It's my walk with Him, so it matters. So let's do some grading, okay? Here's takeaway number three, and that is prepare. Hey, preparation helps us to win, doesn't it? Good teams prepare. They practice. So let's talk about preparing for weekly worship. Here are some thoughts. Before Sunday, before you step into this room or before you watch online, prepare your heart a little bit. And maybe that means praying on Saturday and asking God to use whatever is shared to just penetrate your soul and help you respond to the greatness of God. Maybe that'd be a great thing to do for a minute on Saturday. Here's something else. Generally every week when I send the Thursday or Friday email, at the very top I will say, hey, church, hope you have a great weekend, and so on and so forth. And then I'll put in there, on Sunday... I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46, and maybe you should read that before you arrive, so you're aware of at least what we will be discussing. And then here's what I do. There's a link to it. Okay, you don't even have to try. You can just hit that, open it up, and take four minutes or five minutes or whatever it may be and read that scripture and prepare your heart that way. I think that would be a wonderful thing. As a family... If you have children, you should consider, what are we doing to prepare our hearts for stepping into worship? Tanya and I don't get the chance to drive to church together because I'm here quite early and she's helping get everything ready, especially when our kids were younger. But she did this thing that I thought was incredible, and they still do it to this day. Our kids are a little bit older, so they drive separately, but she still has some kids with her. And here's what she would do. On the way to church, which is not a long drive, obviously, they would pray together. And she'd ask each child to pray, and they would, they would pray for dad. You know, God, help dad not to mess things up today at church. Give us a wonderful day at church and help people to get up and want to be there and all of that. And they would just go around the car, and they would pray. And I think that's a great way to prepare to think about what you're stepping into in just a few moments. It might reduce some of the arguments or the other things that happen in cars on the way to church, and maybe you should consider that as a way to prepare. I also want to let you know that our worship team has put together some amazing content to help us tell God that he's worth it. And boy, we thank you and we love you. And you can find all that content on YouTube We have a channel called Valley Point Worship, and there are songs there for you just to listen to and absorb. And there's interviews where other people are talking about, okay, I'm trying to figure out how to make worship a lifestyle, and it looks like this and sounds like this. There's great content there. This is yet another way that you can prepare for weekly worship. What about daily worship? Well, here's some thoughts. Start a prayer journal. It sounds really simple and easy, but if you take a pen and actually write down some things, like here's what I want to pray for, 
I, I would encourage you to do that and put a date on it. Like in October, I asked God for this. And in November, here's the answer. And you can see that on your journal. Like, wow, God, he does hear me. God listens to me and he responds. And you get your own working journal of how God has impacted your heart and answered your prayers. I started this several years ago. I have things I pray for on Monday and people and organizations and different people and things on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I don't always get it right. I don't always pray every day. I know I should daily worship. And that's something that I want to improve. I think having a journal helps us. It moves us along and kind of reminds us, hey, you missed the things on Wednesday and those things mattered, so go back to it. Start a prayer journal and know that there are Sunday resources available for you. Right now on our church website, under Sunday resources, you can find an image of the walk and there, starting today, are two different devotionals for you to consider. One devotional is a one-pager. Just has some great words, prayers, thoughts. And if that's what you need for today and throughout the week, I'd encourage you, go find that. Download it. Read through it once a day. That'd be a great thing. And would help you lift up a daily prayer. If you want to go a little bit deeper, there's a four- or five-page document that has different things for different days, all tied to the topic and what we discussed today as in this essential practice of worship and prayer. And we're going to do that throughout this theme. So this is another way that you can prepare for daily worship by taking advantage of these resources. If you have kids in Kid Point, they get stuff every week. And it's amazing. It's really good content. You can take that and review that with your kids and use that as a way to engage in daily prayers as well. Now, here's the deal. I know in talking through these things, it makes people feel guilty. Like, oh, my weekly worship is terrible. It's in the tank. And as I give myself a grade on daily worship, that's even worse than my weekly worship. And now you feel bad. And I don't want that for you. Here's what I want for you. This is a way for us to say, here's where I am today. And wherever you are, that's okay. Identify a starting point. And then just determine, here are the milestones that I'm going to put in place between now and the end of the year to get a better grade on my weekly worship and then my daily worship. Here's how I will prepare. Here are the different resources that I will use as well. Put together a plan. Don't let this make you feel guilty. Let it inspire you and encourage you to... All right, <laughs> walking with God, I need to get this right. And so worship and prayer, weekly worship, weekly prayer, God, I thank you and I love you. Here's how I'm going to respond to your greatness. Let's all engage in this together. Let's grow up and mature spiritually a little bit when it comes to the essential practice of worship and prayer. Let's go back to the big idea, walking with God through weekly worship and daily worship. It's necessary. So let's make it necessary in our lives and let's start winning when it comes to worship. Father, in Acts chapter 2, we read about a dynamic faith community. And they were beginning to meet and they were listening to the apostles teaching and they're breaking bread together and they're being generous. 
And we're left with this phrase that they worshiped together. They kept on with their devotion to you, their sense of giving worth to you and responding to you in your greatness. And they did that together with one heart. God, would you unite our faith community together around this essential practice of worship and prayer? God, help us to start winning when it comes to this. And you don't hide that information for how we can win from us. It's all right here. So help us to grade ourselves and then take a deep breath don't have to feel guilty about that. It's a grade. Help us to breathe a little bit and then say, here's how I'm going to prepare. Here's what I will put in place so that I can walk dynamically with God in weekly worship and in daily worship. God, help us to respond to you now because you are worth it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.